Part 1, Chapter 23 of The Daisy Chain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gail Goslin. The Daisy Chain by Charlotte Mary Young. Part 1, Chapter 23. Oh, the golden-hearted daisies, witnessed there before my youth to the truth of things with praises of the beauty of the truth. E.B. Browning. Margaret, see here! The doctor threw into her lap a letter, which made her cheeks light up. Mr. Ernstcliffe wrote that his father's friend, Captain Gordon, having been appointed to the frigate Alcestis, had chosen him as one of his lieutenants, and offered a nomination as naval cadet for his brother. He had replied that the navy was not Hector's destination, but as Captain Gordon had no one else in view, had prevailed on him to pass on the proposal to Harry May. Alan wrote in high terms of his captain, declaring that he esteemed that having sailed with him as one of the greatest advantages he had ever received, and adding that, for his own part, Dr. May needed no promise from him to be assured that he would watch over Harry like his own brother. It was believed that the Alcestis was destined for the South American station. "'A three years business,' said Dr. May with a sigh. "'But the thing is done, and this is as good as we can hope.' "'Far better,' said Margaret. "'What pleasure it must have given him.' Dear Harry could not sail under more favourable circumstances. No, I would trust to Ernscliffe as I would to Richard. It is kindly done, and I will thank him at once. Where does he date from? From Portsmouth. He does not say whether he has seen Harry. I suppose he waited for my answer. Suppose I enclose a note for him to give to Harry. There will be rapture enough, and it is a pity he should not have the benefit of it. The doctor sat down to write, while Margaret worked and mused perhaps on outfits and new shirts, perhaps on Harry's lion locks, beneath a blue cap and gold band, or, perchance, on the coral shoals of the Pacific. It was one of the quiet afternoons, when all the rest were out, and which the doctor and his daughter specially valued, when they were able to spend one together without interruption. Soon, however, a ring at the door brought an impatient exclamation from the doctor, but his smile beamed out at the words, Miss Rivers. They were great friends. In fact, on terms of some mutual sauciness, though Meta was as yet far less at home with his daughters, and came in looking somewhat shy. "'Ah, your congeners are gone out,' was the doctor's reception. "'You must put up with our sober selves.' "'Is Flora gone far?' asked Meta. "'To Coxmoor,' said Margaret. "'I'm very sorry she has missed you.' "'Shall I be in your way?' said Meta timidly. "'Papa has several things to do, and said he would call for me here.' "'Good luck for Margaret,' said Dr. May. "'So they're gone to Coxmoor,' said Meta. "'How I envy them.' "'You would not if you saw the place,' said Dr. May. "'I believe Norman is very angry with me for letting them go near it.' "'Ah, but they are of real use there, "'and Miss Meta's obliged to take to envying the black hole of Coxmoor "'instead of being content with the eglantine bowers of Abbotstoke. "'I commiserate her,' said the doctor. "'If I did any good instead of harm at Abbotstoke, "'Harm!' exclaimed Margaret. "'They went on very well without me,' said Meta. "'But ever since I've had the class, "'they have been getting naughtier and noisier every Sunday. "'And last Sunday, the prettiest of all, "'the one I liked best and had done everything for, "'she began to mimic me, held up her finger, as I did, "'and made them all laugh.' "'Well, that is very bad,' said Margaret. "'But I suppose she was a very little one. "'No, a quick, clever one who knew much better. "'About nine years old.' She used to be always at home in the week, dragging about a great baby, 
and we managed that her mother should afford to stay at home and send her to school. It seemed such a pity her cleverness should be wasted. The doctor smiled. Ah, depend upon it, the tyrant baby was the best disciplinarian. Mita looked extremely puzzled. Papa means, said Margaret, that if she was inclined to be conceited, the being teased at home might do her more good than being brought forward at school. I have done everything wrong, it seems, said Mita, with a shade of what the French call dépit. I thought it must be right and good, but it has only done mischief. And now Papa says they are an ungrateful set, and that if it vexes me I had better have no more to do with them. Does not vex you so much as that, I hope, said Margaret. Oh, I could not bear that, said Mita, but it is so different from what I thought. Ah, you had an Arcadia of good little girls in straw hats, such as I see in Blanche's little books, said the doctor all making the young lady an oracle and doing wrong, if they do it at all, in the simplest way, just for an example to the others. Dr. May, how can you know so well? But you really think it is their fault, or mine? Do you think me a conjurer? Well, but what do you think? What do Mr. and Mrs. Charles Wilmot think? I know Mrs. Wilmot thinks I spoil my class. She spoke to me about making favourites, and sometimes has seemed surprised at things which I have done. Last Sunday she told me she thought I had better have a steadier class, and I know whom she will give me, the great big stupid ones at the bottom of the first class. I do believe it is only out of good nature that she does not tell me not to teach at all. I have a great mind I will not. I know I do nothing but harm. What shall you say if I tell you I think so too? asked the doctor. Oh, Dr. May, you don't really. Now does he, Miss May? I'm sure I only want to do them good. I don't know what I can have done. Margaret made her perceive that the doctor was smiling, and she changed her tone, and earnestly begged to be told what they thought of the case, for, if she should show her concern at home, her father and governess would immediately beg her to cease from all connection with the school, and she did not feel at all convinced that Mrs. Wilmot liked to have her there. Feeling injured by the implied accusation of mismanagement, yet with a sense of its truth, used to be petted and new to rebuffs, yet with a sincere wish to act rightly, she was much perplexed by this, her first reverse, and had come partly with a view of consulting Flora, though she had fallen on other counsellors. Margaret, our adviser-general, said the doctor, what do you say? Put yourself in the place of Mrs. Charles Wilmot, and say, shall Miss Rivers teach or not? I had rather you would, Papa. Not I, I never kept school. Well, then, I being Mrs. Wilmot should certainly be mortified if Miss Rivers deserted me because the children were naughty. I think I'd rather she came and asked me what she had better do. And you would answer, teach, for fear of vexing her, said Mita. I should, and also for the sake of letting her learn to teach, the point where only trial shows one's ignorance, said Dr. May. But I don't want to do it for my own sake, said Mita. I do everything for my own sake already. For theirs then, said the doctor, if teaching will not come by nature, you must serve an apprenticeship, if you mean to be of service in that line. Perhaps it was the gift that the fairies omitted, but will it do any good to them? I can't tell, but I am sure it would do them harm for you to give it up, because it is disagreeable. Well, said Mita with a sigh, I'll go and talk to Mrs. Wilmot. I could not bear to give up anything that seems right just now, because of the confirmation. Margaret eagerly inquired, and it appeared that the bishop had given notice for a confirmation in August, and that Mr. Wilmot was already beginning to prepare his candidates. Whilst Mr. Ramsden, always tardy, never gave notice till the last moment possible. 
The hope was expressed that Harry might be able to profit by this opportunity, and Harry's prospects were explained to meet her. Then the doctor, recollecting something that he wished to say to Mr. Rivers, began to ask about the chance of his coming before the time of an engagement of his own. "'He said he should be here at about half-past four, said Meta. "'He's gone to the station to inquire about trains. "'Do you know what time the last comes in?' "'At nine forty-five, said the doctor. "'That's what we were afraid of. "'It is for Belez, my maid. "'Her mother is very ill, and she's afraid she is not properly nursed. "'It is about five miles from the Milbury station, "'and we thought of letting her go with a day-ticket to see about her. "'She could go in the morning, after I'm up, "'but I don't know what is to be done, "'for she could not get back before I dress for dinner.' Margaret felt perfectly aghast at the cool tone, especially after what had passed. "'It would be quite impossible,' said the doctor. "'Even going by the eight o'clock train and returning by the last, she would only have two hours to spare. Short enough measure for a sick mother. Papa means to give her whatever she wants for any nurse she may get. Is there no one with her mother now? A son's wife, who they think is not kind. Poor Belez was so grateful for being allowed to go home. I wonder if I could dress for once without her?' "'Do you know old Crabbe?' said the doctor. "'The dear old man at Abbotstoke? "'Oh, yes, of course.' "'There was a very sad case in his family. "'The mother was dying of a lingering illness "'when the son met with a bad accident. "'The only daughter was a lady's maid "'and could not be spared, "'though the brother was half crazy to see her, "'and there was no one to tend them "'but a wretch of a woman, paid by the parish. "'The poor fellow kept calling for his sister in his delirium, "'and at last I could not help writing to the mistress. "'Did she let her come?' said Meta, her cheek glowing. As a great favour, she let her set out by the mail train after dressing her for a ball, with orders to return in time for her toilette for an evening party the next day. Oh, I remember, said Margaret, her coming here at five in the morning, and you're taking her home. And when we got to Abbotstoke, the brother was dead. That parish nurse had not attended to my directions, and I do believe was the cause of it. The mother had had a seizure, and was in the most precarious state. Surely she stayed! It was as much as her place was worth, said the doctor, and her wages were the chief maintenance of the family, so she had to go back to dress her mistress, while the old woman lay there, wailing after Betsy. She did give warning then, but before the month was out, the mother was dead. Meta did not speak, and Dr. May presently rose, saying he should try to meet Mr. Rivers in the town, and went out. Meta sat thoughtful, and at last, sighing, said, I wonder whether Belair's mother is so very ill. I have a great mind to let Susan try to do my hair, and let Belair stay a little longer. I never thought of that. I do not think you will be sorry, said Margaret. Yes, I shall, for if my hair does not look nice, Papa will not be pleased, and there is Aunt Leonora coming. How odd it will be to be without Belair's. I will ask Mrs. Larpent. Oh, yes, said Margaret. You must not think we're meant to advise, but Papa has seen so many instances of distress, from servants not spared to their friends in illness, that he feels strongly on the subject. "'And I really might have been as cruel as that woman,' said Meta. "'While I hope Mrs. Bellays may be better, and able to spare her daughter, "'I don't know what will become of me without her.' "'I think it will have been a satisfaction in one way,' said Margaret. "'In what way? Don't you remember what you began by complaining of? "'That you could not be of use? "'Now, I fancy this would give you the pleasure of undergoing a little personal inconvenience for the good of another.' Meta looked half puzzled, half thoughtful. "'And Margaret?' who was a little uneasy at the style of counsel she found herself giving, changed the conversation. It was a memorable one to little Miss Rivers, opening out to her, as did almost all her meetings with that family, a new scope for thought and for duty. 
the code to which she had been brought up taught that servants were the machines of their employer's convenience good nature occasioned much kindliness of manner and intercourse and every luxury and indulgence was afforded freely but where there was any want of accordance between the convenience of the two parties there was no question their master must be the first object the servant's remedy was in their own hands amiable as was mr rivers this merely from indulgence and want of reflection was his principle and his daughter had only been acting on it though she did not know it till the feelings that she had never thought of with us displayed before her these were her first practical lessons that life was not meant to be passed in pleasing ourselves and being good-natured at small cost it was an effort meta was very dependent never having been encouraged to be otherwise and belez was like a necessary of life in her estimation but strength of principle came to aid her naturally kind-hearted feeling and she was pleased by the idea of voluntarily undergoing a privation so as to test her sincerity so when her father told her of the inconvenient times of the trains and declared that belez must give it up she answered by proposing to let her sleep a night or two there gaily promised to manage very well and satisfied him her maid's grateful looks and thanks recompensed her when she made the offer to her and inspirited her to an energetic coaxing of mrs larpent who being more fully aware than her father of the needfulness of the lady's maid and also very anxious that her darling should appear to the best advantage before the expected aunt lady leonora langdale was unwilling to grant more than one night at the utmost Mita carried the day and her last assurance to belez was that she might stay as long as seemed necessary to make her mother comfortable thereupon Mita found herself more helpful in some matters than she had expected but at a loss in others susan with all mrs larpent's supervision could not quite bring her dress to the air that was so peculiarly graceful and becoming and she often caught her papa's eye looking at her as if he saw something amiss and could not discover what it was then came aunt leonora always very kind to meet her but the dread of the rest of the household whom she was wont to lecture on the proper care of her niece miss rivers was likely to have a considerable fortune and lady leonora intended her to be a very fashionable and much admired young lady under her own immediate protection the two cousins leonora and agatha talked to her the one of her balls the other of her music patronized her and called her their good little cousin while they criticized the stiff set of those unfortunate plates made by susan and laughed as if it was an unheard-of concession at belle's holiday nevertheless when honoured miss received a note begging for three days longer grace till a niece should come in whom belez could place full confidence she took it on herself to return free consent lady leonora found out what she had done and reproved her telling her it was only the way to make those people presume and mrs larpent was also taken to task but decidedly meta did not regret what she had done though she felt as if she had never before known how to appreciate comfort when she once more beheld belez stationed at her toilette table meta was asked about her friends she could not mention any one but mrs charles wilmot and the mrs may physicians daughters oh said lady leonora and she proceeded to exhort mr rivers to bring his daughter to london or its neighbourhood where she might have masters and be in the way of forming intimacies suited to her connections mr rivers dreaded london never was well there and did not like the trouble of moving while meta was so attached to the grange that she entreated him not to think of leaving it and greatly dreaded her aunt's influence lady leonora did indeed allow that the grange was a very pretty place her only complaint was the want of suitable society for meta she could not bear the idea of her growing accustomed for want of something better to the vicar's wife and the pet doctor's daughters flora had been long desirous to effect a regular call at abbotstoke 
and it was just now that she succeeded. Mrs. Charles Wilmot's little girl was to have a birthday feast, at which Mary, Blanche and Aubrey were to appear. Flora went in charge of them, and as soon as she had safely deposited them and appointed Mary to keep Aubrey out of mischief, she walked up to the Grange, not a whit daunted by the report of the very fine ladies who were astonishing the natives of Abbotstoke. She was admitted and found herself in the drawing-room, with a quick, lively-looking lady whom she perceived to be Lady Leonora, and who instantly began talking to her very civilly. Flora was never at a loss, and they got on extremely well. Her ease and self-possession, without forwardness, telling much to her advantage. Mita came in, delighted to see her, but of course the visit resulted in no really intimate talk, though it was not without effect. Flora declared Lady Leonora Langdale to be a most charming person, and Lady Leonora, on her side, asked Mita who was that very elegant conversable girl. Flora May, was the delighted answer, now that the aunt had committed herself by commendation, and she did not retract it. She pronounced Flora to be something quite out of the common way, and supposed that she had had unusual advantages. Mr. Rivers took care to introduce to his sister-in-law Dr. May, who would fain have avoided it, but ended by being in his turn pleased and entertained by her brilliant conversation, which she put forth for him, as her instinct showed her that she was talking to a man of high ability, a perfect gentleman she saw him to be, and making out some mutual connections far up in the family tree of the Mackenzies, she decided that the May family were an acquisition, and very good companions for her niece at present, while not yet come out. So ended the visit, with this great triumph for Mita, who had a strong belief in Aunt Leonora's power and infallibility, and yet had not consulted her about Belez, nor about the school question. She had missed one Sunday's school on account of her aunt's visit, but the resolution made beside Margaret's sofa had not been forgotten. She spent her Saturday afternoon in a call on Mrs. Wilmot, ending with a walk through the village. She confessed her ignorance, apologised for her blunders, and put herself under the direction which once she had fancied too strict and harsh to be followed. And on Sunday she was content to teach the stupid girls, and abstained from making much of the smooth-faced engaging set. She thought it very dull work, but she could feel that it was something not done to please herself. And whereas her father had feared she would be dull when her cousins were gone, he found her more joyous than ever. There certainly was a peculiar happiness about Margaret Rivers. Her vexations were but ripples, rendering the sunny course of her life more sparkling, and each exertion in the way of goodness was productive of so much present joy that the steps of her ladder seemed, indeed, to be of diamonds. Her ladder, for she was indeed mounting upwards. She was very earnest in her confirmation preparation, most anxious to do right and to contend with her failings but the struggle at present was easy, and the hopes, joys, and incentives shone out more and more upon her in this blithe stage of her life. She knew there was a dark side, but hope and love were more present to her than was fear. Happy those to whom such young days are granted. End of part one, chapter twenty-three. Recording by Gail Goslin.